Welcome to Plastic Model Mojo, a podcast dedicated to scale modeling, as well as the news and events around the hobby, where we hope to be informative and entertaining and help you keep your modeling mojo alive. Dave, how you doing tonight? We're back again. It's time for episode 64 of Plastic Model Mojo. I've been looking forward to this all week. Yeah, you and me both. It seems, for some reason, it seems like it's been way longer than two weeks since we did this. Well, it's been a little longer, but not, yeah. not too much. Yeah, but it just does seem, I don't know, maybe it was, uh, you know, a lot of stuff going on the last couple of weeks. So. Well, I think that's it for both of us. Yeah. But yeah. here we are. What is going on in your model sphere? Well, uh, my model sphere has a lot of modeling adjacent stuff going on. I learned that not only is on the bench good to listen to when you're doing yard work, but it's also really great when you're driving to Nashville, Tennessee for your daughter's last volleyball tournament of the year. So I got to listen to their latest episode on the drive down and uh, uh, it works almost as well as if I was sitting on my riding lawnmower cutting my yard. In addition, Jim Bates sent me a book, uh, The Bomber Mafia by uh, Malcolm Gladwell, a British uh, historian and professor and thinker. It's right up my alley. It's very interesting. I disagree with a lot of it, enough of it, that there's probably going to be a Stephen Lee-like screed on my blog at some point, but I'm enjoying the book. It is incredibly readable. My model sphere's making a recovery. How about yours? Trying to get this Nationals trip planned out and figure out what we're going to do there and... <laughs> I, <laughs> I think I know what we're going to do. Well, I know there. what we're going to do. We got some logistics on our end. We got to get the rental car lined up and the the fluid acquired and and all that. We'll get Wait to a that. minute. Wait a minute. There's going to be modeling fluid. I, I I'm shocked. We would be remiss to not bring <laughs> some along. I think you're correct. <laughs> I think there. I think we might get lynched. We might. <laughs> Other than that, I'm. I don't know. Caught up on. I found a big stack of magazines. I'd put in an envelope to take on an airplane flight a while back that I completely forgot about. So I kind of read those. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, we're both getting modeling modeling related reading done. See, that, that's it's working out. Well, I think so. I'm a little behind on my uh, the other podcast, but uh, I'll get yeah. caught, I'll get caught up soon. Yeah. Yeah, I've got to get the last PPP under the belt. So, but then again, I've got some yard work left to do. So, since I'm all caught up on OTB, uh, we'll see how PPP works for that. So, uh, Mike, uh, do you do you happen to have some modeling fluid in front of you? I do. I've got. Uh, I'm finishing off some uh, old Forester 1920 I bought Ooh. a couple of weeks ago for. A, when did I buy it? I bought it for Derby Party. Okay. And I took it over there to share and brought back what was left. And now there's none left except what's in my glass. I'm glad there's some left. Uh, you know, my my that one of the highlights of the derby party I attended uh, a couple of weeks ago was I got uh, I got to sample some Blantons, and I got to say that was awfully nice. <laughs> that was awfully nice. So, so nothing nothing new and exotic on my end. What do you got? Well, uh, I actually. 
have one from up of your up in your neck of the woods. All right. Uh, Country Boy Brewing from uh, Georgetown, Kentucky, which is up ne- next to Lexington. Uh, and they make numerous beers. This one's called Nacho Bait Habanero Blonde Ale. I've, as a matter of fact, uh, I've got in my garden, one of the things that grows well in Kentucky, believe it or not, is hot peppers. The soil is really good for growing hot peppers. So I've got a bunch of different hot peppers, including habaneros in my garden. So I saw this, I thought of you and I thought, what the heck? I'm going to give it a try here. Well, I've had it. So you see where we line up at the end. Hmm. So that's interesting. I bet. <laughs> it's got a little of a bit of a back end to it, doesn't it? Uh, yes, it does. Yeah. Well, we'll have to, we'll see how, how it works. getting me through the, get me through the episode. Well, for some reason, the, uh, the mailbag is really amped up this time. Well, good. That's that's a, the that's the least I would expect from our listeners. <laughs> well, I don't know. This is a lot more than normal, so we probably ought to just let's get to it. Trudge ahead. Yeah. All right. The, uh, the first one was actually sent to us along with uh, some of the other podcasts, and it was just kind of a a general thank you from Andrew Armstrong from Center Point, New York. And I think maybe we've talked to him before. I think we may have. And it's just a, a very Nice email thanking us for what we do about how his modeling has improved drastically over the last few years. And he, and he credits a lot to the podcast. Um, says he can't make it to Omaha, but hopes we all have a good time. So looking forward to that, Andrew. Yep, absolutely. Up next is David Poles from uh, Ithaca, New York. And uh, he's got a neat trick for some CA glue. See what okay. you think of this one. Uh, he, he, came, he came to this hobby from an RC aircraft kind of prior existence gotcha right so uh they use lots of ca yep what he tries to do is buy the same brand all the time and he saves the applicator tops and when he's got a spare set after using a a tube of glue or a bottle of glue uh, he keeps a small jar of a glass jar of acetone around and he just pops that applicator tip in there and just leaves it so when he's working with the next bottle and all of a sudden the tip's clogged He's got a spare. He's got a spare. He just pulls it out of the acetone, lets it dry off, and uh, off he goes. That's a good idea. I hadn't had never thought of it. Of course, then again, I tend to use the disposable uh, uh, tubes of super glue. So I treat super glue as if it is a <laughs> not necessarily just a one-use item, but I have zero compunction about, oh, this this super glue has gone stringy or this super glue the the applicator tip is but i'll just toss it in the trash and go go to my next little tube uh he's asking us if we know a source for aircraft stencils he was working on a uh, an edward zero which i guess that's 48th scale and uh, they've got a new style of decal that i don't know much about but he says it was a total bust for him and uh He's not the only one I've heard complain about this, and I don't know because I haven't come across it, but I have read out there people with with these issues. Luckily, there is a ton of aftermarket aftermarket stencil decals for zeros. You know, the production plate stencil and, and some of, you know, no step markings and stuff like that. Uh, there are numerous 48 scale zero sheets out there that have that on it. 
Yeah, I don't know off the top of my head, and that's kind of not your scale. So, well, uh, I'm sure that you could look and you would find a, a super scale sheet or a. Well, he's wanting stencils proper. Yeah. The, the paint masks. Oh, paint mask. Um, yeah. Oh, our friend at one. I wonder if he does. One man army is it? One man all, army. No, it's all thirty seconds. It's all ago. thirty second. Okay. Yeah. Well, hey, maybe there's a maybe there's an opportunity. Alternative. Alternatively, this brings up uh, uh, something that I'm still looking at, but haven't pulled the trigger on yet, and that is a silhouette cutter to maybe make your own. Well, he's he's with you. He's holding back on buying one, so he's looking for an insignia set already in forty eight scale. I don't know of one. Maybe some other listener does. Yeah. Hopefully somebody will hear this and we'll uh, uh, send in a reply and we'll get the info to him. And he's also an adopter from China. He's got a daughter as well, Dave. <laughs> there are more of us out there than you think. Uh, as a matter of fact, my, my youngest just graduates uh, eighth grade tomorrow. So let me tell you, don't blink. Time flies. Oh, we got some more tips from uh, another Dave. Dave Kinsey from Ipswich, Massachusetts. All right. And, uh, well, let me back up a little bit. Let me back up twice. Okay. He liked your remedy of Evan Williams and ginger ale for his head cold. I'm telling you, <laughs> it it absolutely works. It it does. It's better than NyQuil. It's better than any uh, over-the-counter medicine that I've ever taken for it. Well, he's also had a positive experience with the Dr. Strange brush. The good doctor helped him uh, get his... Uh, Clear airbrush hose, I guess, from he got from Dr. Miller. Make sure he had the right fittings to work with his, his current airbrush compressor. Yeah. And uh, I guess during their conversation, it was it came to light that uh, he might need to upgrade his compressor. And yep. John uh, actually looked up what he would recommend on Amazon and because he doesn't sell compressors. Right. And uh, sending that link on, it all kind of worked out. And he thought it was just an honest and... Honestly, an unexpected and refreshing uh, interaction. Listen, I, I I don't want to blow sunshine up John Miller's skirts, but uh, you know I don't I don't know of anybody who's had a bad interaction with him. John is as straightforward and honest and helpful a guy as you would ever want to meet. He knows a lot of stuff, and he's one of those people who's a natural teacher. And he just, he, he loves to share information. So anytime you have any sort of question, don't, even if you've never done business with him before, don't hesitate to reach out. John, John's a good guy and, and he'll help you out. Uh, and he's got a list of, uh, quote unquote found tools that have become essential to his modeling. All right. Let's get those. And old compact disc, which he uses as a base to cut photo etch pieces from their fret. Huh. Now, I use a piece of marble or a piece of glass, but I had never thought of a compact disc. Well, probably, it's probably an AOL installation disc, don't you think? <laughs> Just about anything at this point. <laughs> True enough. <laughs> Could be. Uh, a piece of glass, about three inches by five from a picture frame. That's what he puts his uh, CA on. Yep. That's true. I, you put that stuff on a smooth surface and that little beetle stay active for for quite some time so that's a good tip absolutely as a and the nice thing about it uh, about glass is it's non-reactive whereas if you put ca on say a piece of um just a piece of plastic 
it will start to chemically react with the plastic. Whereas if you put it on a piece of glass, you're, you don't have to worry about that. And finally, he just uses a scrap uh, one by one piece of varnished wood with about three inches of blue tape on it, sticky side up. And that's his small part paint handle. So I think yes. a, lot of, a lot of us do something like that. Yep. I know that you 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 tend to use popsicle sticks covered in tape, right? Yeah, I use all kinds of stuff, depending yeah. on what the situation merits. Yeah. Uh, I go to Lowe's. Listen, I go to Lowe's, and you can get samples of marble and uh, linoleum countertop covers. You know, they give you the small samples for free. Yeah. Uh, and those are great for that sort of thing. Don't tell them I sent you. <laughs> I think you're a privy to this one, Dave. Ricardo Antonio Montez from uh, Honduras. Yeah, I sent him some decals previously. You were on copy. He sent a picture of a Tan Airlines uh, C46. Yep. Yep. So, good I, stuff. He's got a modeling fluid uh, recommendation when, when it gets hot outside. Which is? A Tinto de Verano. Oh, Tinto de Verano. That's probably okay. right. Uh, red wine plus ice plus Sprite and a squirt of lemon lime. Hmm. There you go. Yep. Ready for the, ready for the cabana. I'm I'm listen. I'm I'm willing to give it a, a a shot. That that sounds refreshing. He's also got a treatment for the multiple started and unfinished kits syndrome. <laughs> I, hope, Uh-oh. I hope Jim Bates is listening. Yes, yeah. Jim, are you listening? His solution, which he says is uh, not taking full effect yet, is he put his entire stash in plastic bins and stowed them away in a closet far away from his modeling room. <laughs> <laughs> that, that there, there is some merit to that. If you put the, the stuff that you're not currently working on way far away and out of sight, you know, I can see the positive effect of that because... There is certainly a temptation when you wander into the model closet to remember that you had purchased a kit that you didn't remember. And then the next thing you know, you find yourself going through it. So uh, I I can see how that might work. We're hearing from Preston Culp again from uh, Peck, Kansas, near Wichita. Well, he's close to Omaha. uh, Well, he says that he's looking forward to meeting all of us and the other podcasts at the Nationals. And uh, he's ready to rock and roll on that. Yep. He says he's never been to a model show. Oh, God. If your first model show is the Nationals. Okay. It's kind of downhill from. Well, I was going to say there are two things. One, you may die of shock because it is, it will be sensory overload if you have never been to any model contest ever. Number two is do prepare yourself that not every model contest is like the Nationals. So <laughs> so once you've been there and once your eyes have rolled back in your head and you've fallen on the floor and started twitching around and recovered from that, just understand that unless you go to another Nationals, they're not all, not all, every model show is like that. Some are considerably smaller. Preston writes in uh, from our episode 63 conversation and we were talking about scalpels a little bit yep and uh i should have mentioned this last time and i I actually meant to i just i just flat forgot about it i didn't put in my notes so that's what happens yeah paul budzik actually has one of his uh, scale model workshop videos on scalpels that's really worth a watch oh really i i I need to watch that preston uses them 
It's his only blade for decals, and he also uses them to clean up small, delicate parts, like anyone yep. might. Yep. Because you, you don't you don't need a lot of pressure. Uh, he appreciated all the tips from Ed Barreth last episode, and he was pleased to discover that his own frugality was because he was an engineer <laughs> and, not a, and not a cheapskate. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is a quality of engineers, isn't it? Really, you get used to fixing your own stuff. I guess I guess that's it. You have the you have the wherewithal and you're kind of a cheapskate. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he sent a few pictures of some homemade organizers using, you know, a quarter inch PVC pipe, half yeah. inch PVC pipe and acrylic sheet to glue them to just makes brush holders, mm-hmm. super glue holders, that sort of thing. So, yeah. you know, since we've talked about that, we, we get one of those emails about every other episode about some homemade tools. Yeah. And, and you know what? I, I am convinced that, whether you buy a commercial product or whether you make something of your own, having your desktop, I say this as I sit here and look at my uh, woefully unorganized desktop, and I've got a lot of organizers, so there's really no excuse for me. But I do think that those people who are highly organized, have highly organized desktops, are more productive. You know, we call it critical mass. At some point, you lose yes. your exacto knife like two inches away from you. You just got to yes. s- stop and put some crap away. Yep. <laughs> yep. Been there, done that, have the t-shirt. Next is uh, Mr. Patrick Neff. He's from originally from Golden, Colorado, and he swung by our table briefly and signed a registry at, at the 2021 conv- convention in Las Vegas. And he's got an interesting project question. I don't know if we can answer it, but... Uh, Somebody out there might or have seen something on the internet that could help help Patrick out. He would like to build some sort of in-flight presentation, but he doesn't like the noticeable rods coming up from the bottom or sticking out of the jet nozzle or, or whatever. Right. right. He's looking for a way to fabricate the uh, aft section of a KC-135 mm-hmm. and actually use the refuel boom to support the model of, of a, like an F-16 or F-15 or something? There have been a number of models at the Nationals over the years where, in fact, the, the, the one that I remember the most was a 72nd scale presentation of a B-52 being refueled by a KC-135. Now, the B-52 was on one of those acrylic rods, as you would imagine, just simply because it needed to be. But the thing that was amazing to me was the KC-135 was suspended in air and clearly only held up by the refueling boom that was attached to the B-52. And I'll be honest, if I can dig out, I've got photos of all of the Nats going back 25, 30 years, uh, all, at least all the ones I attended. If I can go through and find a picture of it, I'll, I'll send it so you can post it in the show notes. But that I have seen that done a number of times, and I think that the key to it is the strength of whatever you use for, that, for the interior of that KC-135 boom and the fact that both inside the fuselage of the 135 and inside 
the fuselage of whatever's being refueled, an F-16, a B-52, whatever, you, you have to run the rod all the way through both, both completely both fuselages to get the amount of, of strength that you need to hold up that type of, um, that type of presentation. Yeah. Since the only ones to do the, the back end of the KC-135, gosh, that could be solid. Yes, absolutely. Oh, I'll tell you one other thing. I have seen a couple of presentations of models in flight, not using acrylic rod, but using strong magnets. Now, it's it's a very delicate operation, and you you engineers would understand more than me. You have to get the balance right in the magnets between the magnets in the base and the magnets inside the model so that it it suspends and holds over the base without you know tipping to one side or the other and losing that repellent force um, but that's that's becoming more and more popular especially among the sci-fi guys the next one is from uh, Steve Berktold from uh, Covina California and David's another Dr. Strange brush, positive experience. Well, uh, it does not surprise me in the least. He, he's purchased an H&S airbrush from him, and he says the Liquitex stuff has changed his life. So I got to give that stuff a try, man. I have yep. not sprayed an acrylic since I bought that from John. <laughs> uh, the only thing I've sprayed are, are enamels and acrylic lacquers. So I have not tried to spray an actual water-based or or alcohol-based acrylic and so I, I don't have experience in that but i have no doubt that he's right in his advice well michael karnock is back with his uh interesting question of the episode thanks mike yeah he does a nice job with those what is the most exotic place you've ordered a kit or accessory from <laughs> Most way out there, exotic slash not U.S., not Europe, not Japan, or most way out there modeling magazines even. Oh, let's see. I have ordered stuff from, in fact, I, I not too long ago got an order from Estonia. Yeah. Um, so there, there, that might actually qualify. I almost placed an order. There was a company that uh, in New Zealand who did a 72nd scale resin Vickers Wildebeest. And I didn't place an order, but I was sorely tempted to place an order uh, for that item, which probably would have been the most exotic item from one of the more exotic places. <laughs> How about you? Oh, I've ordered from all over Eastern Europe. Yeah, well, I'm, you because of your dealings in in military and all, I'm I'm sure you've you've. Oh, I've took I've taken some risks there, but but even modeling, I, I've ordered from both Russia and Ukraine, mm-hmm. Poland, Hungary, yeah, all those countries. I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you that, and this is all pre pre Ukraine war stuff. Probably the place i have been most nervous about ordering from has been russia simply because it is it seems so wild west in many ways and you're never a hundred percent sure 
So if and when I've ordered from Russia, I've ordered from only from main mainline folks who other people I know have ordered from and, and had results. Uh, I'm not sure, especially right now, but uh, I, I, I'm not sure I'd go off grid and order from Russia, you know, with somebody you've never dealt with. I don't know. I, th- for me, those places I mentioned aren't, they're kind of exotic, I guess, for scale modeling, but you know, a lot of them are right at the forefront of, of the current market. The Quinta studio stuff came out of nowhere out of Russia. So I, I don't, I don't know that, you know, there, there's some of those, uh, those figure sets from, from Vietnam. I might pick up at some point that that'd be, yes. that'd, be that'd be pretty exotic. Yeah. Be more, more exotic than China. Yeah. Which Absolutely. I've ordered from there too. So, Oh yeah. I mean, China's almost, uh, almost no big deal. <laughs> so hope we didn't disappoint, but, uh, haven't ordered any models from, uh, Timbuktu or any place. Our buddy, Tom Choi from Champaign, Illinois, Jack yes. Weislick, Polish coast watchers. Yeah. Peoria club. We mentioned taking chances or taking risks in modeling at some point. Episode 59. He says, I'll take his word for it. It's been a while. Yes. All the episodes run together after a while. At least the, the, by number they do. I, I remember yes. episodes, but I don't remember. I have to go back and look at the titles. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he's kind of a fly by the seat of his pants modeler. Apparently he says the old saying measure twice cut once doesn't really apply to him. (laughs) (laughs) That way lies heartbreak, man. I'm telling you. Uh, Luck's looking like it's been pretty good, but, uh, you know, he's just a dive in kind of guy. That's one approach. Just stick and bite off and chew it. And you know what? There is a school of thought and an argument to be made that a person with that attitude to modeling gets a lot more enjoyment out of it. Now, they may also get a little more heartbreak if they've, you know, cut before they measured twice. But that youthful enthusiasm that uh, comes from just saying, you know, nothing intimidates me. I'm going to dive into this kit just because I want to. I, I can see how that brings a lot of enjoyment. Up next is Brad Belsheim, and uh, he loved episode 60 when uh, Kentucky Boy found out he was allergic to peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm never going to live that down. You're never going to live that down. Yeah. All right. Well, he just shared some of his favorite modeling fluid in uh, two boxes, and one of them is uh, Barbarian Hayes IPA. Good choice. Zo- zombie dust, both from uh, Three Floyds Brewing. You ever hear back from that guy? No, I did not. I am at, at some point. I'm going to drive to freaking Munster, Indiana, and go knock on a door because those guys, <laughs> those guys need to be sponsoring our podcast as much as uh, as, <laughs> as as often as we've talked about them. Uh, I think you're right. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> hey, we're going to come back from Omaha by way of Munster, Indiana. That's not out of your way at all. Nope. And uh, finally, from Las Vegas, Nevada, Derek Post. He's written in a couple of times fairly recently, but he finally answered about his stash getting stolen. They were stolen out of storage. Oh. Uh, he, he moved to Las Vegas fairly recently. I think it might have been around the time of the Nationals. Oh, well, I, listen, uh, we can we can say from from actual experience, the, the modelers out in Las Vegas are a good group of guys. You, you got lucky in that respect. Uh, he's rebuilding the stash and the tools. I said that's an upside. Uh, 
we've guided him toward. Sounds like he's got a he's on a waiting list right now for a harder and steamback airbrush from John, but he he did order I think the AK brush that he mentioned. Oh, okay. In our last episode, so man, oh, good. John's getting a lot of They're getting a lot of love. Getting a lot of love tonight. Yeah. Well, Dave, that is all from the the normal email channel. Well, uh, I've actually had a couple of folks reach out on Facebook. One was from a uh, modeler by the name of Robert Judson. He lives in Iowa, you know, which isn't that far from Omaha. And getting to go to the Nationals was looking kind of iffy uh, due to, you know, work-life balance and money and all that other stuff. But uh, he sent us a Facebook message to let us know that he got the green the green light from the better half. Things have worked out otherwise, so he is definitely going to the Nationals. So I told him to stop by the table. Uh, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for any modeler who was on the fence and is going to end up getting to go to the Nationals. So that was good news. And then. Um, uh, Tyler Artis, who I talked about in a previous episode, had sent me a instant message where he sent a picture of a, I guess it's a, a BMW M6 that was built by a, a, a racing vehicle that was built by the guy who got him back into modeling and he got to photograph it next to the hauler of the actual vehicle, the semi that hauls the race car around. So, oh, wow. And it's a very nice model. I'll tell you what, I can see, while I've only built one car in my life, I can certainly see the attraction for car modelers of uh, building cars, particularly race cars. So, well, you know, at some point, we ought to get somebody on who knows that area modeling. We probably should. Yep. Absolutely. Well, if those out there listening would like to contact us with a question or comment or both or whatever, you can do so by emailing us at plasticmodelmojo at gmail.com. Or as Dave just talked about in his bit there, uh, you can hit us up through the Facebook Messenger system. Yep. We'll have a conversation there too. So please keep it coming, folks. Yep, absolutely. This is the point in the podcast where I make an interruption to beg you all to, when you're done with this episode, please go to whatever podcast app you listen you listen to us on and rate the podcast. Give us five stars. It helps drive visibility. Uh, in addition, if you know a modeler who doesn't listen to podcasts, doesn't listen to modeling podcasts, doesn't know what a podcast is, help them out, turn them on to us. If you need to grab their phone and walk them through how to access and subscribe to Plastic Model Mojo, please do that. It is the the best way for us to get new listeners and people are doing it and we continue to grow and we're flat out, frankly, amazed at that. So please do that. And if you haven't already subscribed in whatever app you're using to Plastic Model Mojo, please do so so that you don't miss an episode. Well, when you've given us a listen, please check out the other podcasts out in the model sphere. And you can do that by going to modelpodcast.com. Modelpodcast.com is a consortium website that we set up with the help of Stuart Clark from the Scale Model Podcast to provide links to the participating podcasts uh, directly just through banner banner links on a, on a single website. So 
you can bookmark that one page and check out all the other podcasts in the model sphere. In addition, there's a lot of other content out there from our blog and YouTube friends. Uh, we want to mention some of our favorites, which would be Stephen Lee with Sprue Pie with Frets and his blog. Excellent blog. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Chris Wallace, model airplane maker. He's got a blog and a YouTube channel. A new video out. I know on doing uh, heat, heat uh, what would you say? Discolored metal, like engine yes. exhaust and stuff? Yep. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one there, Chris. Yep, absolutely. If you like 72nd scale, you got to check out Jeff Groves, the Inchai Guy, and the Inchai Guy blog. He's got all kinds of 72nd scale goodness going on there and is always building something, isn't he, Dave? Yes, he is. I'm telling you what, that I, if I could achieve that kind of uh, build rate, I would be, uh, I'd, I'd be a happy man. Well, we really didn't fire Jim Bates. <laughs> we didn't? Damn. No. You can you can still check out Jim Bates at a Scale Canadian TV when he's not on our show, but uh, he'll be back eventually. And yes. we might as well hit old Evan up again because we had a good time with him last episode. Evan McCallum, aka Panzermeister Thirty Six, on YouTube. Please check out his YouTube channel if you're into armor modeling or even model railroading. So good stuff. Yep. It does. I'll tell you what, I have zero interest in model rate. Well, I won't say zero interest in model railroad, zero interest in doing model railroading uh, myself, but I find a lot of the stuff that people do fascinating. And as I told Evan before we recorded the episode with him on it last time, that I watched his YouTube videos on weathering the rail cars. And it was really, really good and very, very applicable to uh, just regular scale modeling, non-railroad related scale modeling. So, uh, yeah, if you haven't checked out Evan's YouTube channel, you really need to do so. Finally, if you aren't a member of IPMESH USA, IPMESH Canada, IPMESH UK, IPMESH Australia, whatever national organization, wherever you live, please consider joining your national IPMS organization. They do a great job of supporting local modeling clubs. They, in here in the U.S., IPMS USA is an umbrella framework that uh, provides insurance for club meetings and club events. Uh, And now these days, I can tell you that A lot of event spaces require that you have insurance. So were it not for IPMS USA and that that provision of insurance, a lot of clubs wouldn't be able to hold their contests. So if you're you're not a member, please join. If you have joined recently, thank you very much for doing so. Well, Dave, with all this email referencing Dr. Strangebrush, I guess we ought to have a word from our sponsor, Model Paint Solutions. One more plug. Plastic Model Mojo is now brought to you by Model Paint Solutions, your source for harder steam back airbrushes, David Union power tools, and laboratory-grade mixing, measuring, and storage tools for use with all your model paints, be they acrylic, enamels, or lacquers. Check them out at www.modelpaintsolutions.com. Well, Dave, we're back from our break, and it's Wagons Hove for Omaha time. At this point, I am almost afraid to hear how close Omaha is. 
At the time of this recording, Dave, we are 64 days away from the IPMS National <gasps> Convention in Omaha, Nebraska. Holy m- wow. So uh, right, right around the corner at two months and change. Yes. Yep. And that and that two months will fly by. So uh, uh, we got to get some stuff. <laughs> I was about to use. We, we got to get some things finished, man. Uh, no doubt. And we'll talk about those things in the, the yep. base top halftime report. But I tell you, the thing that's getting exciting is the, 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 the listener base is starting to swell around this and we're getting more and more folks in our, in our listener mail saying they're going to be there. Yes. Um, I, I am really thrilled at all the people, um, uh, who've contacted us to say that they're, they're going to be there. Well, we ought to encourage them all to, to bring at least one entry, if especially if they're driving. Yes, bring an entry, and not only two things we ought to encourage them to do. One, bring, be sure to register, uh, pre-register, enter a model, uh, especially if you're driving. But even if you're flying, you can carry one small model in a Tupperware container on your lap. But uh, the other thing is, stop by our table, say hi, um, sign the guest book. We really had a great time in Las Vegas with all the people stopping by and talking and uh, had a lot of great interactions, which, you know, was stuff that we never expected. And we learned a lot. We got a lot of great ideas, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Looking forward to it. It's going to be a long drive, but we'll, we'll get there. And uh, what are you worried about? You're going to be sleeping. I'm going to be driving. All right. Sounds good to me. <laughs> All right. We'll look forward to seeing everybody out there. And uh, yes, gosh, I got to think. Let's see. I'm trying to think how many episodes are between now and then. Three. Three or four. Yeah. Can't be three. Maybe maybe four. Depends on. I have to look at the calendar. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because we got to we got to talk to Scott again at some point. Yep. Absolutely. Oh, and by the way, if you're listening, uh, if you or your club has not sponsored a trophy package Reach out to the folks at Omaha, see if there are trophy packages still available for sponsorship. I'm sure there are, there are, there are almost always uh, a few left. So if you do that, it'd really help them out. All right, Dave, it's the Bench Top Halftime Report by Tackett Z. Tackett Z, the must-have tools for the model makers. If you want to check out what Ed's got going on at Tackett Z, you can do so at www.tackettz.com. And Dave, I've, I've gaffed. When we were at Indy, Ed mentioned a new discount code, if I'm not yes. mistaken. And yes. uh, I need to follow up on that because uh, that one has completely fallen through the cracks on my end. Well, we'll, we'll get it straightened out. All right. So, folks. He, he's a good guy. He won't hold it against us. Well, Dave, what do you got going on? If you've been following on the Facebook page, the beast is together. The P-52 is completely assembled. Uh, it's partially painted because I painted it in stages, or at least parts of it in stages. It, in fact, after we're finished this reco- after we finish recording this episode, if I have enough energy left, uh, it's going to get its first complete overall coat of uh AD, of uh not air defense command gray air combat command gray and uh so it's looking good i had a little bit of negative modeling on the m30 uh and not bad 
but uh, when Skippy was over the other day um, modeling, we spent like six hours, six straight hours at the bench with an interruption for dinner and maybe a, maybe a, a glass of scotch or maybe two. Uh, he accidentally knocked one of the um, handles off of the uh, uh, trail on the M30, one of the two you know, the big handles that you fold down and then you fold up to, to split the trail and manhandle the, the gun in position. It's a clean break. It's not a problem. I just haven't glued it back on. So uh, I'm going to glue that back on and move forward on that as well. And I am hoping that both of these items will be at Omaha, especially since we're driving. There's no excuse for it. How about you? Oh, man. I've been prepping and trying to get started on painting the remaining bobs for the ZIS-2 base. I'm not going to talk about that too much, but I mentioned some unpainted ones last time, and, well, we're trying to get there. Yeah. Uh, waiting on a product to use on those, actually, and we'll, we'll talk about that in the uh, What Broke Your Wallet segment coming up. But uh, uh, given that that one is uh, clear for landing at some point here soon, hopefully before Nationals. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I've dug out the E16 again. Got all the dust off of it? Nah, there's no dust on it. It was in a display case. <laughs> I'm getting ready to add some more dive brakes because uh got a couple of people asking about them. Oh, okay. So I want to I want to do that and That's uh, cool. Wet my whistle with that again. Yep. Got nice to keep in practice with that cuz I'm sure I'm sure with either your um your Katusha or your Reba Boton or one of those projects coming up, you're gonna you're gonna do something with Photo Etch. I probably will. Uh, and I'm trying to remember how to how I cabled the catapult. I, I may have a picture somewhere. I hope I do. So that that, that was a, that was a bit of an ouch. Yeah, not remembering that. And then also, uh, I've mentioned it before, but the catapult and that Fujimi kit's kind of a catapult ish. It's yes, it's a a, a representative. Right. It's, probably, it's probably an amalgamation of one or two types, maybe even. Uh, anyway, there's there's no real cable attachment for the launch trolley. Yeah. So I'm trying to figure out, based on what the other trolleys looked like, uh, and uh, probably try to fabricate something for that one to at least make it look reasonable. Right. Some, uh, some, some pseudo-engineering. And in preparation for the next kind of bigger project, I've been kind of digging into the planning. Uh, especially after talking to Ed last episode for the Katusha. Cause it's a, you know, it's a truck. I've, I haven't done a truck with an interior in a while. Yeah. And I'm just kind of thinking about that a little bit and drive it, fitting some parts and trying to get excited about that one. Well, I'm not trying. I am excited about it. That's the stuff. It's kind of virtual modeling to a point, but it's, it's all on the bench and off the bench at times. But, uh, Trying to get uh, those things back in a frame of mind that I can pick up on them pretty quick once I get the the other one done. Sure, sure. Uh, on the on the ZIS, are you going with aftermarket resin wheels? Yes, it's got the uh, oh air connection makes them Hussar. Oh, okay. The Hussar set, yeah. Well, I used the Hussar set for the M30, and I can I can tell you from that. Their their resin casting is really really nice. I like them. I, I, I they're already painted. So, oh, <laughs> How, what do you mean they're already? Do you already did that 
how long ago did you do that? Oh, when I painted it the first time, they're just waiting to be weathered. So, you know, I got to get the groundwork done so I can have the colors I want to use to weather the, weather gotcha. the rest of the gun. But uh, it won't, ta- it won't, it won't take long. So I got to quit pro- procrastinating. So, uh, Mike, uh, have you been buying anything? Uh, I had a birthday since we last did this segment and I uh, had some cash to spend on myself. All right. And I did. I'm assuming that we spent it on modeling related goods. Uh, we did, or I did. Uh, you know, I'm not too big on Cold War air armor. Some of it I am, but, but not so much in general. Yeah. Uh, but that uh, West German Kanonen uh, Jag Panzer, that 90 millimeter Panzer Jaeger they built yeah. in the 60s, has always yeah. intrigued me. Uh, kind of the last of the Jag Panzers. Yeah. That kind of vehicle kind of went by the wayside after that one. Uh, and I've got the Ravel kit. Now it's it's not a Ravel reboxing. It's one of their own native kits, and it's not too swift to be honest. Really, uh, it's it's not bad, but it's it's pretty rudimentary and and simplified in a lot of areas. How old is that kit? That's a good question. I, I think this century, anyway. Okay, <laughs> this, uh, I love it. This century <laughs> that, that narrows it down to twenty two years. I don't recall off the top of my head. Uh, perfect scale model bow out of Germany makes a bunch of stuff for this thing. And I bought all of it. I've had, my, <laughs> I've had my eyes on it for a few years. I just, I was thinking this, this stuff's going to go away I'll, I'll, and I will miss the boat. Right. Right. So he's got a, a new upper hull and glacis, a drop in. It's just a drop in for the kit part. That's just a whole lot nicer. Yeah. Uh, he's got road wheels, which are a whole lot nicer. Some tracks. Now, when they first came out with these, they were resin cast tracks, but now they're 3D printed tracks and they look interesting. Uh, I'm not sure how that's going to work out, but uh, I did buy them. And he's got a PE set with the resin that also comes with some resin pioneer tools. So you can really kind of jazz this thing up pretty quickly sure. with, all, with all that stuff. Well, you next time we talk to Evan, you and Evan need to need to do a kind of a deep dive on these 3d printed tracks because those are i mean they're becoming not just more common but i i i kind of wonder if maybe they are going to become the standard uh aftermarket way to do tracks they may you know (laughs) as a joke he sent me a link to another company that just fired up some new tracks (laughs) <laughs> last, last week <laughs> yeah. so he's enabling you he's, he's, well, he's, he's doing he's picking on me that's what he's doing <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but my purchases didn't stop there okay uh panzer art makes a resin mantlet and turn metal barrel for uh kv85 oh that project's continuing on huh yeah that one's that uh that's a a nice it's a nice resin and metal upgrade the the problem is it's about a millimeter and a half wider than the opening on the that a resin turret I bought. So a little bit of judicious sanding. That's right, judicious sanding ought to take care of that. Yeah. So I, I got that one. It's because I didn't I didn't like the mantlet that came with the kit, the resin turret, and I, I've talked about that before. But uh, this is a a potential replacement for that. And certainly a replacement if you're doing, you know, the Bronco or the Trumpeter kit straight up. I mean, right. It could be a good way to go. 
Uh, and I bought uh, a few washes and streaking effects, enamel streaking effects from MIG Ammo. There's something else you bought you haven't mentioned yet. Oh, I know. We got our uh, soon-to-arrive uh, VMS order. <laughs> is that what you're talking about? That is exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. So we, we finally ponied up and put a joint order in. And, you know, I got the paper shaper and the sand, sand and ballast freeze and the, the, the CA debonder. Now, yep. The paper shaper is what I'm waiting on to finish these bobs for the ZIS-2 base. Yeah. And I expect yep. that. I expect that stuff any day now. Yep. I, I hope I hope you're right. Uh, uh, I hope we're not caught in some uh, port backlog. But uh, yeah, I I I I have been wanting to purchase some VMS products for a while. When you were you also were interested. And when you finally said let's pull the trigger, I I was glad because uh, I can't wait for them either. Well, that's a good segue. What else have you bought? Well, you know what? I am actually in, uh, and this happens to me every year, uh, or at least every year that I go to the Nationals, which is almost every year. About 60 days out from the Nationals, I pull back my buying and I start to build a war chest uh, because I know what the Nationals looks like. I know what happens to me and my money at the Nationals. So I I try to pull back. Now, I did. I placed that VMS order with you. And in addition to that, I had also on eBay uh, purchased from China a, it's a riveter with multiple rivet heads. And this one's particularly suitable for 72nd scale. Uh, I think one of the guys on 72nd Scale Forum actually mentioned it and recommended it. I took a look and I pulled the trigger on it and it arrived, God, I guess Monday. So uh, I haven't had a chance to try it out yet. I know a lot of modelers, among them a guy who is a really great modeler by the name of Barry Numeric. Uh, he is sold on riveting your kits recreating the the rivet and rivet patterns on on particularly in his case world war ii me 109s i may have to actually try it out but i went ahead and purchased it we'll see when i get around to actually using it but other than that i have pulled in the reins tight and i am i've got a jar full of change that uh I'm going to I'm going to add to and convert to bills and hopefully have a little war chest when I go to Omaha. Well, hope you succeed. I do too, man. <laughs> I do. You know, uh the blood center down the street, yeah, you can get like 30 45 dollars a pop. I'm going to start selling. We're going to we're going to raise some money here. Well, Dave, before we go too much further, let's have this short update from Chris Mettings about his Models for Ukraine book project. Hi everyone, it's Chris again with my other hat on as owner of Inside the Armour Publications. As many of you have heard from my adverts on all the podcasts recently, I've published a book called Models for Ukraine, where all of the profits are being donated to the Disasters Emergency Committee Appeal for Ukraine to get humanitarian aid to people having to suffer this awful war. Already 90% of the books are sold, and over £16,000 has been raised and donated to the Disasters Emergency Committee, Ukraine Appeal. However, 
there are still some books left and we can raise even more money for this wonderful charity. Please go to insidethearmor.com to order direct. Or if you're in the EU, you can order from robbymodelbau.nl. That's R-O-B-I-M-O-D-E-L-B-O-U-W dot N-L. You can also order from Bookworld Wholesale. That's bookworldws.co.uk. And when you order, you can choose from a huge range of other books they stock on modelling, aviation, maritime, automotive, and all kinds of military subjects as well. Alternatively, you can order from Froome Model Centre. That's F-R-O-M-E-M-O-D-E-L-C-E-N-T-R-E dot com, where you can also pick up on their huge range of paints and kits, including the fantastic fine moulds kits. You can also get it from starlingmodels.co.uk. That's starling-models.co.uk. Starling are probably the best supplier of 1700 ship kits, accessories and other details in the UK. And really, I can't recommend them enough. The service is superb. You can also get the book from Guideline Publications. That's all one word, .co.uk, where you can also pick up on their excellent range of books and magazines, including Military Modelcraft International, Scale Aircraft Modelling and Fantasy Figures International. Superb titles. Or you can find the book on eBay from my own store, ITA Discounts, or from Froome Model Centre's store. Thank you again for supporting this project and a special thank you to all the companies that are selling the book and not taking a penny in return, but instead donating all the profits to the project. Thanks a lot. Take care. Dave, let's move into our special segment tonight. It was your idea. We're going to have a little conversation about our favorite model brands. This is actually a subject that I've discussed with several several modelers. Jim Bates and I have this discussion, um, and it's usually put in the terms of, okay, you're stranded on a desert island. You can only build one company's models for the rest of your life. What model brand, what company would you – who? What company's kits would you choose to build? And the answer for me has been the same for years, but may actually be changing. Uh, my my stock response for years was Tamiya, because Tamiya has, while not the largest range of 72nd scale aircraft, they have a really nice range of 72nd scale aircraft. Uh, their 72nd scale aircraft kits are some of the finest, best engineered models I've ever built. Uh, I still will tell you that the Tamiya Zero is the best engineered model I've ever put together in my life. I've built two of them, and uh, I, I've, I can see myself building many more through the years. Uh, so my answer, and while I don't build armor or cars that much... You know, if you're stranded on the desert island and you want to, you know, Tamiya's got a nice big catalog of stuff you could build if you wanted to go outside your your scale and genre. So for me, the answer for years was Tamiya. But I'm not sure that that answer is going to hold going forward. What's your answer to the question? I don't know, because philosophically, we're on different pages on this topic. All right. Well, go ahead. Well, again, you're you're different in that you don't build kits. You make models. 
You you have a different approach. I open the box and I put together what's in the box. You open the box and say, okay, well, that's a nice starting point, but what other 42 things can I blend into it? Well, you know, it depends on how good the starting point is. So I guess I could pick good starting points. And you're right, to me are, are always good starting points. Like you can't, there's not much to fault there. There's the occasional simplification on their armor kits, but you know, nothing too damning. Uh, the problem is, is my lack of output, I guess would be the <laughs> best way to put it. Well, you're, you're stranded on a desert Island. Your output is going to go up. No, but there's all, there's all these brands out there that the only, the only thing I've done is look at the parts in the box that have all come to come to be in the last decade or so. Gotcha. Gotcha. You're saying you haven't built one model, built one model from every, no. every manufacturer out there. Well, we, I think we can, we can rule out, uh, Allen, right? Uh, yeah. And trumpeter, <laughs> trumpeter and Allen. You can rule right you out. Can rule those right out. I can rule out it to Larry. Okay. <laughs> Did that Puma scar you that badly? No, this, this, there's, I don't know. I, th- I think they're still stuck. St- stuck in the mindset they're they're marketing through toy channels their product line tends to i, I don't know man it's harsh but i now you can be harsh <laughs> as far as i know they're not going to come hunting us they're not keeping up with their contemporaries i agree completely with that and in addition i don't understand Italeri's pricing structure which well, seems to be all out of whack compared to the quality of their kits. Yeah. And it's been that way for quite a long time. At this oh, point. a long time. Yeah. Now I always heard before the Euro, I always heard that had to do with the Italian Lira and, you know, all of that stuff, but the, the move to the Euro didn't seem to change anything. It made it worse. Yes, exactly. But back to, back to my point, you know, I've, I've got a, a few Ming kits, a few Ryfield kits in the stash, and those things all look pretty snazzy in the box. Looks can be deceiving. Sure. Well, and Ming's got a fair size catalog, I guess. I I don't know about Ryfield. It's getting pretty big, too. It's, is it really? Yeah. Um, and, and the thing is, those companies are, have, have put out so much. You know, you, you mentioned Tamiya. Compared to Tamiya on the Arbor front, I, you know, since Ming's come along, Tamiya's probably put out a half dozen armor kits in 35th scale. Right. Maybe. Maybe one a year or two a year. Uh, they announced, in fact, the Shinazuka show, the announcement I think came out, they're doing a, a modern Japanese, like six wheel or eight wheel, uh, modern infantry fighting vehicle. So basically they announce one new armor kit almost every year, but not every year. Also, don't mind the high part count kits. You know the you know I've built this mini art gun, but you know looking at look at their tank kits, which which I haven't built yet, so I don't know if they go together worth a darn or not. They got a lot of parts, which uh, if you're into detailing and stuff, certainly helps. But the engineering better be good. But the engineering better better be good. The more parts you have in a kit, the more the engineering better be good. And, and then there's there's my nostalgic side too. Oh, you're not gonna you're not gonna want to build just Airfix 1970s kits. 
No, because you'd have to have a lot of putty and sandpaper. <laughs> That's true, too. <laughs> Might not be available on your desert island. Oh, well, it, well <laughs> I will stipulate, if you want to name Airfix as your, you know, 70s Airfix kits as your thing, we will get you all the putty and sandpaper you need. Well, they're not my thing. I mean, they obviously have their obvious detractions, right? Right. <laughs> but, you know, you get you get into like the box art and stuff. You know, that, that stuff's just fun. From a nostalgic, oh, yeah. nostalgic point of view. Sure. Air, yeah. Box art. People people undersell box art. Box art has made me buy more kits than it probably should have. <laughs> and it, it probably made me buy some kits that I really, really, really shouldn't have once I opened up the box. Yeah, the whole book but, and cover thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Judging a book by its cover. But I'll tell you what, it does have the ability to grab your attention. Oh, yeah. A lot of the Airfix stuff was, I can't remember the artist's name off the top of my uh, head. Ray, Ray Rimmel? I think mm. it was Ray. Was it Ray Rimmel? But anyway, I mean, the, the, his originals, the name escapes me, but uh, yeah. they're, they're so, certainly not undersold. <laughs> no, no. Oh, man. Absolutely. I actually thought I might like to have one and went and looked and was like, well, I guess I won't have one of those. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> so you you say that you've got challenges because you haven't built from a number of manufacturers that you're interested in. Is there is there one manufacturer up and coming wise that you would put pick out among the others to say, yeah, that's the catalog that I think I would like to explore? If I was, if I was, you know, again, desert islanded, that that you you know you know Tamiya, but right. is there another manufacturer who whose catalog you're like? They got a lot of the things that I like, and even if you haven't built one yet, you'd be willing to take the shot. Ah, uh, I, I think Mini Art has a lot I would like to explore. It's a lot of parts to put together. Yes, they do a lot of interesting things. Well, we'll see what happens because they, they were going down the, the Sturmgeschutz rabbit hole, but we've not seen the first one out of them yet. Well, for a rather understandable yeah, reason. Yeah, rather understandable reason. But, you know, assuming that happens at some point, and then their T-34 line, they've got the, the tank destroyers and the you know the assault gun versions of that thing. Right. And they've got the T-34, 85. You know, what are they going to do? Because they've, they've made road wheel sets for earlier versions 76 millimeter gun turret vehicles so are those coming boy you gotta think that'd be nice think so that keep me busy a long time oh yeah absolutely and they've got all the soviet light tanks i know you you have a particular love for those soviet t50 60 70 yeah i do so yeah maybe that's it i don't know but a boy, I could get one and, and it turned into a big detractor right off the bat. <laughs> you know, I I bought that SU-122 at, at, at Indianapolis. I still haven't even cut the plastic on it yet. Oh, man. You need to open that up and fondle it. Just it so it weighs you... like five pounds. Well, high parts count, I'm sure. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but uh, who knows? Maybe that will become your quote. Un- I know you can't do this, but your quote unquote out of the box build yeah in, while while you're slaving away on on putting six uh katusha kits together uh to make one katusha maybe the maybe the issue 122 will slide in there as a as a basically out of the box build 
So I, you know, ultimately though, I don't know that I got a lot of brand loyalty. You probably don't either. Generally, I, okay, I don't have a ton of brand loyalty. Uh, however, there are, there are model manufacturers that if they announce a kit that I'm comfortable enough that it's like, yeah, that's an automatic buy. That's one I'm going to get. And there are other manufacturers that no matter how much I want the particular prototype item that I'm going to still be hesitant, volume, <coughs> volume, <coughs> just because I've seen their kits. While no matter how intriguing the subject matter, there are so many things I want to build for which there are really good kits, unless it's just something that I got to build before I die. Um, I'm, I'm going to stay away from those type of manufacturers. I'll tell you the, the manufacturer who's up and coming in my mind for my particular areas of interest is Arma. I, 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 while their catalog is smaller, it's growing. They're building or they're kitting multiple kits a year. Uh, assuming they continue that for the foreseeable future, their catalog will soon be something that I I could build the rest of my life and not get bored by. I I'm just really amazed at how they came out of nowhere to the quality they have, and also the engineering on the kits is fantastic and. I got a stack of armor kits sitting over here, and every time I walk by it, I am tempted to to pull one off and start it. And I have to tell myself, "No, Omaha's coming up. I gotta, I gotta get these other things finished first. Is there any company whose kit you would not build, no matter how interested you were in the subject? That's a good question. I, no, probably not. Well, but that's because I know you, and what you do is you would take the kit, you'd salvage the six usable parts, and then you'd find a way to get something together from sheet styrene and resin third-party manufacturers, etc. Well, there's a lot of that, but even like a lot of those old, they're old now, those Eastern European kits, you know, mm-hmm. when they were the only game in town for a lot of those subjects. I mean, they're all still out there. You can still buy them. Most of them are still being made. You know, yeah. the, the box brand might have changed four or five times by now, but the kits are still out there. You know, most of that stuff has been re-kitted by, by better yeah. quality manufacturers. You know, I, I, I panned Trumpeter earlier in this conversation, but for certain kits, even if that's the only one out there, that's still, well, the only modern one out there. That's still way better than, even if it's not any, not that great, it's still better than what was out there, you know, 10, 15 years prior of that same, sure. same subject. So, yeah, uh, you mentioned the T50 light tank that comes to mind. I mean, that's a, that's a trumpeter kit, but boy, it's sure better than the old tech mod. Oh, that's right. Tech mod did do that kit. Right. Didn't they? So do you have that kit? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I've got them both. You've got them both. And, and I assume at some point they'll be kit bashed together to make an actual T50. No, I think the tech mod's pretty much uh, done for. You don't think there's anything you can salvage out of it? I don't think so. Okay. I think the 
trumpeter's way better starting point. It does seem like there was a sea change in modeling sometime in the late 1990s, that there was some sort of, I don't want to say great leap forward, but uh, some sort of change that took place where the quality of the kits really, really made a, a, a significant improvement while not overnight, but almost overnight. And then I think you had dragon like on, in the armor genre resting on the, their laurels and then yeah. just, just got freaking caught with their pants down by all these other Chinese companies. Yeah. And see, I could see dragon. If we were asking this question 20 years ago, I could see I could see an answer from an armor modeler to this question being Dragon, just simply because of the depth of the catalog. Oh yeah, especially at, at their high tide. I mean, the guy they had hundreds of kits. Yeah, you know, instruction issues aside, and the way they kit some of their stuff, you know, you end up with a third of the parts you don't even use. Right. I guess that's annoying, but I kind of see why they they've, they've done it that way. It was a bad execution of a modular kind of thing. Yeah. But it kind of works. Take a look at Evan. I mean, how many of those things has Evan built? I, I would love to see Evan's spare parts box. I'm I'm convinced that it's filled to the brim with nothing but dragon road wheels and dragon, uh, you know, extra bits and bobs off of, off of some of those kits. Probably right. I'd say that's probably true. Which just goes to show you. While while they may not be, you know, the latest Ryefield kit or the latest Tamiya kit, they're I mean, you watch him, he builds those things and they are really nice models when he's done. I mean, he may have to put some extra work into some bits of them. One one I've not mentioned is Bronco. Now they're another kind of highish part count kind of maker, but they're the company who has done the better kits of a lot of those subjects that uh, were coming out of Eastern Europe 20 years ago, 25, mm-hmm. 30 years ago. Like what? Like everything based on a, like a Panzer II, was it the D, the D type with the big road wheels? You know, they, they yeah. made the, the early martyr on that one the, and the, the, the flamethrower tank. Uh, all those, that's all crap I had Allen kits for that oh. I, I, I don't anymore. I still don't understand how when you finished that SU-76, you didn't take every Allen kit you owned and burned it then and there. Well, believe it or not, even though they're not very good, they're the ones that followed that kit were way better. Really? Yeah. Huh. So, so some of their later stuff was was buildable. <laughs> was buildable. I, I guess that. I guess it's all buildable. <laughs> yeah. How much gumption you got. But, uh, right. How much putty, uh, how much styrene, and how much time? How much time? So I don't know. That's uh, I don't guess I don't have a favorite. I, I'm intrigued by all the new companies. I've you know I've, I've got a like I've got a Ming FT17 in the stash. I, that's a nice kit. Yes, and I wouldn't mind doing an FT17. I just think those are particularly attractive tanks. And you know I've got a in, Rye, I've got a Ryefield uh, Sherman. Which one? Five C Firefly. Make, okay. And I've got their T thirty four eighty five. Those are both really nice kits. The Firefly, especially, is really nice. Yeah, and you know that raises the other issue that it seems like every time you turn around, there's another another new model kit company. 
I heart kits or, I mean, you know, a lot of them are out of China and a lot of them, you kind of wonder what the relationship between them all is, but it just seems like as opposed to, I mean, for years and years, we had Tamiya, Hasegawa, Ravel, Monogram, Airfix, and Frog, and and Heller, Heller and Etelary, and that was it. I mean, you could seriously. That's eight eight companies, and for <laughs> and I think Frog's a stretch because they went away. Yeah, they went away uh, probably. Yeah. right. But but even if you count them, that's eight model companies, and those were the eight model companies for twenty thirty years. And that was it. And then where you look at you look at where we are now, if you just go with injection molded company injection molded kit companies, I'm not sure that you could I mean maybe some listener out there has a definitive list of all current injection molded model companies. Um, you know, that that's a that's gotta be a pretty big number now. I think so, yeah. Uh, I'll I'll be interested to see if there's an upper limit. For, for that sort of thing. Well, Mike, uh, we're getting toward the end of this episode, and uh, I assume that you're getting toward the end of your modeling fluid. Well, I am, Dave. My glass and that bottle are history now. You know, well, the, the the old Forester 1920, I've had I've had it on here a time or two already, and it's a, it's a good selection, but it's about a $50 or $60 bottle. But that's my only complaint with that with that bourbon is the price points a little higher than I usually want to go, but boy, it's, it's, it never disappoints. Well, and I don't get it very often. I maybe get it once or twice a year. Right. Well, then on the other side, I don't know if you've heard, but, uh, <laughs> I've worked on, uh, working on tempering my uh, libations a bit. Oh, really? Well, apparently I snore Dave. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you you, you got to be careful about that the the better half will complain um but yeah that that uh, uh both bourbon and beer tend to cause uh tend to cause that kind of taking a chill on that a little bit not yep. completely I, I don't you know right just trying to help some people sleep a little better probably that's, myself included yeah well that's probably true <laughs> Uh, there are also sound machines. I highly recommend them. Well, how's how's that beer working out for you? Well, um, you know, it's got, because of the habanero, it's got a real bite at the end. It's a very classic blonde ale on the front end, okay? It's 5% alcohol by volume. It is very much like drinking any sort of classic Almost, you know, it's a step above the mass market, uh, Miller, Bud, Coors, etc. As far as that goes, but that that habanero bite on the back end—that's a little burny. Uh, it it burns a bit, and and especially if you burp, man, <laughs> it really it really comes back hard. So I'm not sure that this is something that I would uh, that I would drink again just simply because I find the burn a little unpleasant. Not so unpleasant that I'm not finishing the beer, though. Well, I've had it before. I mean, they're local here to Lexington area. And, you know, they are, I'd say hands down, they're the most adventurous 
micro, yes. microbrewery here in town, but uh, that one's just not one for me. I, yep. I've, I've never enjoyed it. Yep. I agree with you. I agree with you completely. So, uh, Mike, we're getting to the end of the episode. Do you have any shout outs for anybody? Uh, quite a few, actually. All right. Because uh, I think we missed an episode where we, you know, we kind of thanked some folks by name. All right. Take a more generic approach last episode and I have to go back and listen to what I did before that. But Plastic Model Mojo is made possible by many fine folks and modelers out there in the scale model sphere. Folks such as uh, Patrick Neff, Chris Church, John Pisano, Scott Stokowiak, Rob Hallinger, Jan Stoklasa from the Czech Republic. That's one from far away. Yes. Uh, Bob Bear, Lee Fogel, please from our club. Thanks, Lee. And uh, Tim Holland. Thank you, gentlemen. You are most generous. Uh, we really appreciate it. And that's a lot of folks in the last uh, month or so who's who've come at us one of a couple ways. If you'd like to join the ranks of these Mojovians and support this little in- endeavor of ours, you may do so at Patreon at www.patreon.com slash plastic model mojo. There you can make a recurring payment from a dollar on up of your choosing and uh, Pat- Patreon will manage that for you and take care of the billing and and uh, that's an easy way to do that. You can also contribute through PayPal. If you go to www.plasticmodelmojo.com, there's a heart icon in the upper right-hand corner. You can take that link to a PayPal me page and uh, make a one-time contribution there of a size of your choice or manage your own recurring one there. Some folks do that still. So it's all great. And uh, we're putting it to good use, I hope by the listener mail. Seems like we're doing a pretty good job, Dave. And uh, we just appreciate the generosity. It's very humbling. Thank yes. you. Thank you again. Absolutely. Well, I've got two shout outs. My first one is, again, I want to thank everyone who reached out and expressed uh, their condolences uh, on the passing of my father. Um, I got tons of emails, tons of Facebook messages, tons of cards. Um, y'all. Uh, I mean it when I say it, that uh, y'all are a bunch of really great guys. Modelers in general are really, really great people, and you all have have proved that uh, as I I walk this this particular path. And so I want to thank all of you from the bottom of my heart. So now, do you have a second shout-out? I do not. I do. I want to thank... uh, even though we fired him and replaced him, uh, I do want to thank Jim Bates because Jim sent me a box uh, recently. And in that box was the book that I mentioned previously, uh, The Bomber Mafia by uh, Malcolm Gladwell. And I was having a little bit of trouble getting into a book. Get I love to read. Uh, my reading is very much related to my modeling hobby. I find when I'm reading more, I'm modeling more. The two are somehow related. Jim had had the book, read the book, enjoyed the book, and realized, because we're longtime friends, that I would enjoy it. So he sent it to me, and I'm tearing through it and really enjoying it. So I appreciate uh, appreciate Jim doing that. All right, Dave. Well, I think we're at the end now. I think we are. You know what they say. So many kits. So little time. All right, Dave. Until next time, we'll see you around. You got it. We got some show planning. Yes, we better get that.